Good morning. I want to greet each one in the Lord's name this morning. My title for my message this morning is God Transformed You. The first question I have for you, do you believe that God can transform you? Or could transform you? Or has transformed you? My, the verse that I built this message around is Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to back up and envision a line. A starting point is when you became a Christian. The end point is when you... When, when is heaven? Is it possible to go from the beginning line to the end line without transformation? And that's what I want to think about this morning. Can, can you make Jesus Lord of your life? and end up in heaven without being transformed. If no transformation takes place, can you be justified? In Scripture, we have a number of stories of people who lived faithfully for the Lord, for God. Some for a very short time, some for hundreds of years. The shortest one I can think of that I'm aware of is the thief on the cross. The longest being Methuselah. Methuselah lived almost a thousand years. So was there more transformation in the life of Methuselah than in the unnamed thief on the cross? I believe that transformation took place, even if he only had a few minutes or hours on the cross, that God had already begun to change his heart and mind. And yet today, many people who call themselves Christians, whether or not whatever they teach or believe about transformation, they live out practically the idea that there is no needed transformation. All they need to do is accept Christ in their life, and then they can go about their life and live it however they want, with no need of change. And they may use that thief on the cross as an example. Well, he didn't have to do anything. And he, he says, Jesus said he's going to be in paradise with him. So why do, why do I have to have change in my life and transformation? Turn with me this morning to Hebrews chapter 12. In Sunday school this morning, someone mentioned the idea of fathers and how they deal with their children. And so I want to start at verse 5. Do we need change? Do we need correction in our life? 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receive. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men, and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. I'm going to stop there at verse 15. Verse 14 clearly says that without peace and holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And so there we have our answer in very plain speaking that without transformation, there there is no possibility of heaven. But what causes that transformation? How does that transformation come about? Some people say, well, I only need the grace of God. And that there's, a, there's a sense that, yes, without God's grace, we'll never come to the point of recognizing our need of God without recognizing the fact that we are sinners. As I was preparing for this message, I had to think about it. I thought about bringing them, but I didn't. I think we can all envision. If the day we were born... I believe there is a sense where, as um, a person, as in our standing before God, that we were as a white sheet of paper, we were clean. There was no blotches. But as soon as we were born, within a very short time, we sinned. We did something that was wrong. We rebelled against our parents, and so that sheet became dirty very quickly. And we needed God's grace to come to us as sinners. But once God cleans that slate, makes our sheep white, many out there today would say, well, that's all that's done. I don't need to really change my heart, my mind. I don't really need transformation. But I believe that in a sense is pulling that black sheet back out and living the rest of your life as if God had never really saved us. So we need transformation. Verse 15 speaks of the grace of God. Yes, it's free, or it wouldn't be grace. And without God's grace, there is no possibility of us getting into heaven. But that grace alone, is it possible with that grace alone to be saved. 
Is that where it ends? And maybe some of you are uncomfortable with those words or that idea that grace is not sufficient alone to get us into heaven. It's because we need transformation. We need sanctification. The grace justified us, but then we need something to bring us into more and more closer relationship with God to bring us into holiness before God. Once we've received God's grace and made him Lord of life, we can't continue to live and think like we did before we knew that grace of God. As we look at different examples today, think about them. There are many we could look at. I'm just going to look at a few, but... As we think about it, just pick any man and woman in the Bible, especially, I'm going to mostly focus on the Old Testament, but you could look at the New too. And think about those who were transformed in their minds and those who were not. Maybe you disagree with me, but I actually don't believe that transformation of hearts and minds was actually a requirement in the Old Testament under the old covenant. Yes, they needed to obey the law. They needed to follow after God. They needed to seek him. But I don't really see the idea that transformation of the mind and heart was necessary for, require, to, for, for salvation in the Old Testament. Pure and simple, it was obedience to the law. And yet we can see as we look at the Old Testament and we see what that led to. Many believers struggled their whole lives with things that I believe that today when God and Jesus comes into our heart and transforms us slowly over time that we have greater victory. We have potential for greater victory than what many of the Old Testament believers did. That doesn't mean that they never, there never was transformation in them. And I believe that some, you see, had a transformed life that could only come through God, through Jesus. But that for many, it was not a reality. And it wasn't, I don't think it was very well understood. As we look through Scripture, through the history of time, through Scripture, I think we see three or four different periods or times different standards that God had for believers. The first one being Adam and Eve in the garden before they sinned. What was their standard? They had one law. All they had to do was not to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge, good and evil. There were no other laws. There were no other rules. There were no other commandments given by God. And yet they failed at that. And I believe we shouldn't, I'm not being hard on them. I think every one of us here, including myself, if we would have been put in their situation, would have failed, would have sinned at some point. Because of our being in the flesh, living in these bodies that struggle with sin. 
Then moving on to the next period, once they had been kicked out of the garden, then they had more commandments, more things that they were required of. And yet at this point, they were not written down, but yet I believe that God had written them in the conscience of the mind. When Cain killed Abel, did he know he'd done wrong? How did he know that? It was through the conscience that God had put in them. And so there was the next standard that man knew in his mind what was good, what was wrong. And yet many, most people failed that. And at this time, I would say there was no real command from God or understanding of a need of transformation. And so men, men and women in, the bio, in, the, in this time of history struggled to live faithfully for God. Because their conscience could easily be seared and then they would just do whatever they wanted to. And they really did not understand how to be changed into a person that would follow after God. This second period went from the time of Adam and Eve until God took the children of Israel out of Egypt and gave them the law of Moses. So this law was, went beyond the being written in their conscience or being passed from word of mouth from father to son, parent to child. And even this was insufficient. Many people rebelled against even the law, or they would do it on the outward. Outwardly, they would obey the law of Moses. But inwardly, they still struggled. I I forgot to say one point I wanted to say. You know, when God had this law written in man's conscience, and it was no more than that, the world became so evil that within 1,500 years after Adam, God, that's when God destroyed the world and only Noah and his family were saved. And yet another 500 years would pass from that time until God would make a covenant with Abraham. Approximately another 500 years would pass until God would then give the law of Moses to the children of Israel. And History had proven that we as mankind needed God's law written down so that we would not forget it. But then the thousand years from the time when the law of Moses was given until Christ came, we see over and over how men continued to fail because their hearts were not transformed, were not changed. Like I mentioned earlier, they would outwardly maybe follow the law, but inwardly, were evil, were cold. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 11. Ezekiel chapter 11, I want to read verses... 15 to 20. Son of man, thy brethren, even thy brethren, the men of thy kindred, and all the house of Israel holy, are they 
unto whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Get ye far from the Lord. Unto us is this land given in possession. Therefore say, Thus saith the Lord God, Although I have cast them far off among the heathen, and although I have scattered them among the countries, yet will I be to them as a little sanctuary in the countries where they shall come. Therefore say, Thus saith the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people, and assemble you out of the countries where ye have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And they shall come thither, and they shall take away all the detestable things thereof, and all the abominations thereof from thence. And I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances, and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Here was a recognition and a desire. you see God's desire here that the children of Israel had struggled for many years under the law of Moses to just do it outwardly but inwardly to have cold hearts towards him. And so he wanted to take them beyond that, take them to a place where he could put soft hearts in them where he could change their minds. And that's what we see with the idea of being transformed. He wanted them to not just obey the law, to not just be believers and followers of him in name only, but he wanted them to be changed through and through. And the same thing is even possible for us today. We can go to church, we can outwardly look like everything is good. We can stay with our spouses, we can raise families, and yet it's possible even today to not be truly transformed on the inside. So are we transformed? Are we allowing God to do that work in us? So after the thousand years of God using the law of Moses, he would then send Jesus to become a living, breathing law, an instrument that would draw men to himself. And I'm so thankful for that today, that God would not only send Jesus, but then when Jesus ascended to heaven, he would send the Holy Spirit that would help us to be not just doers of the law on the outside, not just go through the motions, but to be able to have changed hearts and minds that would follow after him. As I was studying this message, I thought about this idea that I thought about for many years. What happened, what about the non-Jews, the Gentiles, during the time of the Old Covenant? What law or standard did God hold them to? And I don't know for sure, I don't know that the Bible really comes out and says, but I felt like that most likely that God continued to hold them to the same law that believers had been held to before the law of Moses came. I don't know why for a number of years I felt like that there was very little chance of hope for anybody who wasn't a Jew, who was a Gentile, before Jesus came, that there was no hope for them. But I believe, rather than being no hope for them, it was the same situation for all mankind before the law of Moses came. 
that they relied on their conscience to tell them what was right or wrong, to tell them what God wanted them to do. And we see this in that we see some stories of hope, that there was hope for those who were not Jews. Um, When Jonah was sent to Nineveh, if there wasn't a chance, an opportunity for them to be saved, to be right with God, why would God have sent Jonah to preach to them? And it says they repented of their sins. They turned to God. And so I think there was hope for them. But once God had sent Jesus to earth, then the next period started, the new covenant, the new standard. That would apply to all men, both Jew and Gentile. And we see this taught, especially by Paul, through the New Testament. This idea that even though before, under the law, God looked at the Jew and the Gentile differently, now once Jesus had came, we were being held to the same standard. We were now expected to not only be obedient on the outside, but to be changed and transformed on the inside, our heart and our mind. We can no longer claim innocence of knowing what God wants for us now that he has sent the Holy Spirit. As I mentioned at the beginning of the message, grace is critical to bringing us to God and it's critical to help us continue our walk with God. But at times we fail. So what do we do? Well, that grace carries us through. But without transformation, I don't believe we can be right with God in the end. And yet there are many Christian sects and cults today that teach that we can get our salvation through good works or through obedience to the church. And I put that in quotation marks, whichever church it is. And yet... Those things alone will not change our hearts and our minds, will not transform us. So yes, we need God's grace, and he provides it willingly, but we also need to be transformed personally. How does this transformation come about? How do we become transformed? Is it all all up to us? And I don't believe that's true. I believe it's a joint effort between us and God. As we look in Scripture, God calls us to draw near to him, to seek him. And when we do that, God does the transforming internally of our hearts. Changes our hearts and our minds to, instead of seeking after the things of the world, to seek after him. Instead of being drawn to sin, being drawn to holiness. Does it all happen all at once? I believe it's different for everyone, just as we all experience life in a different way, different ways, just as we learn at different speeds, I believe that we are transformed at different speeds. I had to think of um, 
when I was learning, I'm learning to be a machinist, and this would be true, I think, for most of us, whatever our job is, when we first started learning, we learned a lot very quickly. So you could graph it as a, we were taking in a lot of knowledge and our learning was rather, was rapid. Then after you learned a lot of the basics, then your learning became more of a 45 degree angle, more of an angle, uh, you know, less learning. Instead of learning something new every hour, every day, we learned something new every week. Now that I've been doing it for 13 years, maybe I don't learn something new every day, maybe not even every week, but I'm still learning, still getting better. And I think that's true for all of us, no matter what our job is, whether we're a nurse, a farmer, or construction, building things. It doesn't matter. We're learning. Otherwise, we're not going to stay relevant. Well, what about our Christian lives? I think the same is true there. At the beginning, God transformed us, I think, hopefully, quickly, and rapidly. But as time goes on, maybe that transformation looks different, looks more slow, but hopefully more permanent. What about those times when we fail, when we slip? Does that erase all the former transformation that took place. I don't believe so. I believe that God continues to work on us. I don't believe we start over at ground zero. We hopefully get back up with God's help and grace and continue to learn and be transformed by him. I just wanted here towards the end of the message, want to look at some reasons why I believe God wants to transform us. What if we refuse? What if we resist that transformation? Maybe we need to stop and think about why God would want to transform us. One of the reasons is so that we can live better lives. And I'm not talking about financial or easier as far as just being a soft, easy road and no, no issues. But in the sense of a life lived free from the bondage of sin is going to be much happier and peaceful. And as we saw there in Hebrews, that someone who does not have peace and holiness in their life will not reach heaven. Second thing, so that we can be, second reason why we need to be transformed, so that we can be used in this kingdom to reach others here on earth. If we're not transformed, and yet we claim to represent him, we can bring a lot of harm to his name. Just as we have many examples in the Old Testament, maybe a few in the New. A couple examples I had to think of was King David claimed to be a follower of God. And even the Bible said he was a man after God's own heart. And yet when he sinned with Bathsheba, he brought a lot of shame to the name of God. And we do the same if we do not live transformed lives. And even a simple thing of Abraham lying about his wife, Sarah, not being his wife to try to protect his own skin. The people around knew there was something different about Abraham, knew that he didn't follow the gods of the Canaanites. And so by lying about something like that brought shame to God's name. And the third thing, 
there, there, I'm sure there are more, but just the third one I thought of was, if our lives are transformed, we can show the power of God through that. Because recognizing, the world recognizes that people can try to be good people, but there's only so much they can do in their own power. To truly be transformed, to be a person who loves no matter how you're treated, to be able to forgive no matter what's done to you, only that can be done through the power of God. And so that transformation is a witness to the world of what the power of God can do. I want to read the verse again that I read at the beginning, Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that renewing happen? And why we need that renewing is to prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. As we leave this morning, I just want to challenge each one of us to stop and think, am I being transformed or am I just staying right where I have always been as a believer? Am I growing? Am I seeking God? Am I seeking holiness? And last of all, turn to 1 John chapter 2, read a few verses. First John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And so I hope that's our heart and prayer, that we love God and not the world. We can't do both. As the Bible says, we can't have two masters. So that's my prayer and challenge to you. The Lord bless you.